When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, cuz, welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is. And today, we're going to meet up with someone named Wendy. How good it is. Hi there, I'm Claude Call, and I'm proud to be amongst you. And today, my trivia question is about today's song, Wendy, by the association. What does it have in common with these other songs? We have Poor Little Fool by Rick Nelson, Dominica by The Singing Nun, and Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry. All of those songs have something in common with Windy. What could it be? I'll have that answer for ye near the end of the show. So, like Deacon Blues, which I talked about back in episode 96, this one opens with a personal story. Back in 1967, I was four years old, but I was also an early reader. And I don't say that to brag or anything. It's relevant to the story. Because as a four-year-old reader, I read the comics every Sunday morning. And I could read children's books. And I was able to read comic books. The ones I specifically remember reading are the ones that were put out by Harvey Comics, which included Richie Rich and Casper the Friendly Ghost, which most of you know about. There were also a couple of titles that are less known today, such as Little Lotta, who was an overweight girl whose big appetite also led to her having superhuman strength. And there was another character who was originally introduced in the mid-50s as a uh, companion character to Casper. She was a young blonde girl who was also a witch. She wore a red cloak and had a magic wand, and she flew around on her own broom. She was named Wendy, the Good Little Witch. In addition to the comic books, she also appeared in the Casper cartoons in the mid-1960s. Do you see where this is going yet? Four-year-old me watched the cartoons, read the comics, and suddenly there's a song about a person named Wendy. And as a result, I have forever associated, you should excuse the pun, the song and the cartoon character, even though they have nothing to do with one another. I think also as a kid, I heard that second verse as starting who's sweeping down the streets above cities rather than who's tripping down the streets of the city. Anyway, even today, I hear the song and I picture a little cartoon witch flying around the city on her broom. Now that you had that little trip down memory lane, let's look at the song itself. And for that, we have to back up the clock a little bit to tell you about the song's composer, Ruth Ann Friedman. Friedman was born in uh, 1944 in the Bronx in New York City, but when she was 10, she moved to California, living in the San Fernando Valley. She was already playing some guitar at that point, having heard music from the likes of Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie. 
When she was 12, a song she had written got her on a local talent show called Rocket to Stardom. Now, Rocket to Stardom aired live from the Wilshire Boulevard showroom of Wilshire Oldsmobile, and that was naturally the sponsor. It was little more than an infomercial with the time purchased by Bob Yeekle, the owner of the dealership, and in fact the host was Bob's sister, Betty Yeekle. Now, by most accounts, Rocket to Stardom was somewhere between the gong show and the first few rounds of American Idol, in the sense that there were a lot of acts that weren't especially good. And that makes sense, given that the performers didn't even have to audition. All they needed to do was show up on time and do their thing. Half the fun was watching these amateurs crash and burn or stop and start all over again or stop and flee the stage altogether. And Betty Yackel, who otherwise wasn't really a great MC, well, she was there to comfort them and literally give them a shoulder to cry on sometimes. But every now and then there'd be a genuine talent that came along. One notable veteran of Rocket to Stardom was Dwayne Eddy, who's probably one of the greatest instrumental artists ever. And another one was Ruth Ann Friedman. So, yeah, long, long digression. Ruth Ann Friedman showed up on Rocket to Stardom and did her thing, and clearly, the show bizbug bit her. As a high schooler, she began playing at the Troubadour in West Hollywood during their hoot nights, and she became a fixture in the L.A. music scene. But it wasn't until she was 19 that she landed a paid gig in Denver and became part of the so-called hippie migration, basically moving up and down the West Coast and living off of her performances like many other musicians of the time. It was during that period that she got to know the Jefferson Airplane and Country Joe and Janis Joplin, and she also got to know a gentleman named Van Dyke Parks. Now, Van Dyke Parks is probably not a common name to you, but he has produced and arranged many albums for artists as diverse as Randy Newman, Ringo Starr, U2, Bob Dylan, and many others. He's also well-known for collaborating on some songwriting with the Beach Boys. He's the guy who came up with the cello triplets and Good Vibrations, and he also wrote, or co-wrote rather, a lot of the material on their ill-fated Smile project. Parks is the guy who talked Frank Sinatra into recording Something Stupid, which was his first million seller. All of this is to say that Parks is a guy who knew a lot of people in the industry and had some influence on them. And it was Parks who introduced Ruth Ann Friedman to the association. Now, the story behind the song itself has changed over the years, and by that I mean that Friedman herself has told a few different stories about the subject of the song. In fact, she told the same source two different things in two separate interviews a few years apart. Here's how that goes. Friedman was about 25 at that point and living in a ground-floor apartment in David Crosby's house in Beverly Glen. She says that there was a fella who came to visit, and she's never identified who that fella was, and by her account, he kept staring at her as though he was going to suck the life out of her. So she started to think about what kind of a guy she'd like to be with, and that was Wendy, a fantasy guy. Then, in 2014, she did an interview with songfacts.com in which she said, quote, These days, looking back at myself in my mid to late 20s, I finally realized I was talking about me in that song and how I wanted to be, unquote. So, what's still on the table is whether this is a bit of retroactive thinking or if it's a little bit of a dodge to get people to ask, you know, to quit asking who the guy is. I don't really know. I suppose there's no reason it couldn't be both. Regardless, it's pretty clear that when she originally wrote it, Wendy was a male. Have a listen. Who's peeking out from under a stairway, holding a 
Mrs. Friedman's original recording from 1967, although she didn't release it until several years later. The association got a hold of the song, and they had Bones Howe producing the record for them. Obviously, he made a bunch of changes to Friedman's version. First up, and perhaps the most obvious, was changing Windy from male to female. And that makes sense. Flip the gender of the singer, flip the gender of the song's subject. Sure. The next change Howe made, and this one's a little more subtle, is that he sped the song up just a little bit. Friedman's version is in a three-quarter waltzy kind of time, whereas the Association's is in 4-4. It's a more conventional rock beat. He also had the song open up with those bass notes, and rather than doing vocal overdubs on the lead, he had new member Larry Ramos share the lead with Russ Giger. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. The big change that Bones Howe made, though, was adding that woodwind solo in the bridge, and that instrument comes back at the end of the song. Now, some people think it's a flute, others have thought it was a piccolo, but believe it or not, that's coming from a recorder, which was played by association member Terry Kirkman. See that? Elementary school music teachers all over America just got a warm feeling of validation. Personally, off the top of my head, I can only think of... Three rock-era songs that also have recorder on them, and only one of them was a top 40 hit. And I think I'm going to sit on that potential trivia question for a while. As far as the rest of the musicians, that's a little bit unclear. What is known is that the Association's first album didn't sell very well, so Bones Howe brought in a bunch of session guys, most of whom later became as the Wrecking Crew. The contract sheet lists 14 musicians on the track, not including Terry Kirkman, and there's some overlap to their talents, plus there were at least three recording sessions for the music. But the best guess that anyone has nowadays is that Larry Nectel played keyboards, Hal Blaine was on drums, Joe Osborne played that bass, and Ray Pullman was on guitar. By all accounts, recording the vocals for this song was a grueling process. They started in the early afternoon, and they didn't finish until 6.30 the next morning. And then they had to boogie out of there to catch an 8.30 flight to their next gig. After working on it for so long, of course, Larry Ramos and Ruska Gare's voices got a little bit crispy, so Bones Howe had everybody in the studio singing the song, including Ruth Ann Friedman. The single was released on the 1st of May in 1967, and it entered the Billboard Hot 100 chart before the end of the month. By July, it was number one, and it held that position for four weeks, finally getting replaced by The Doors' Light My Fire. It was also a number one in Canada, it was top 20 in New Zealand and South Africa, and in Australia it peaked at number 35. And incidentally, that was Bones Howe's first number one as a producer. Later in the year, an instrumental version by West Montgomery became his biggest hit when it reached number 44 on the Billboard chart and it also reached number 10 on the Billboard Easy Listening chart. In 1969, Ruth Ann Friedman released her first solo album called Constant Companion. At that time, she didn't include the track on that album because she didn't want to be known for just that song, especially in as much as the association version was so different from hers. She did, however, play it during her shows, but word is that she plays it in a more bluesy style, and she never did the... Ba, 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 vocals because she detested them. Other than that, over the years, she did come to accept that people like the song and want to hear her play it, and she recognized that it is important to the fans. 
As far as I can tell, however, she didn't release that recording until 2006 when it appeared on a Lost Recordings compilation called Hurried Life. And now it's time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked you what Windy has in common with three other songs, those songs being Poor Little Fool by Rick Nelson, Dominica by The Singing Nun, and Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry. Well, those are the first four songs in the Hot 100 era to be written entirely by a woman. Poor Little Fool was written by Sharon Sheely and went to number one in 1960. Dominica was written by the singing nun herself, Sister Luke Gabrielle, and topped the chart in 1963. Then came Windy in 1967, and Bobby Gentry's Ode to Billy Joe did it only a month later and also held the chart for four weeks. So, ponder that. The Summer of Love, with all its psychedelia, was dominated on the music charts by a psychedelic pop song and a gothic country tune. And that, my friend, is a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you're enjoying the show, hey, you made it this far. That's got to mean something. Please take the time to share it with someone who knows. Maybe they'll get back to you and say they associate the song with Harvey Comics, too. Also, if you're so inclined, you could leave a rating or better yet, a review somewhere. And now you can support the show over at Patreon.com slash How Good It Is. Don't forget, if you're a patron, you get a newsletter about 48 times a year. That's my little thank you for your support. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on the social medias at howgooditispod. You can also visit, like, and follow the show's Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website, howgooditis.com, where you might find a few extra bits. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. How good it is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.